0: You weren't before you came in. You should be now after that. All right. Um, Also, uh, anybody with pain shin area, like knee to, I don't know, that's the ankle. Yeah, that's what it is. That's the ankle. Anybody with like pain in their left leg or in that general area? No. Okay, we're going once. Nope. Okay, maybe that's somebody who's not here today. All right. Don't (laughs) kick anybody. (laughs) That's covered with you. Okay. Okay. Good. I was like. Okay, all right, good. That's good. Yeah, let's just pray over that too. God, we just thank you for healing. We thank you, God, that you are the healer. And Father, we thank you for uh, recovery, God. We thank you that the fire is there right now. We just thank you for muscles to release, bones to come back into place. Whatever you need it to do, God, we thank you that, God, you are doing that right now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So... You guys, you guys, happy today? Yeah. Uh, all right, put a smile on your face then. Um, um, anyway, yeah, if you're happy, let your face know. Okay. Yeah, that's what my that's what my wife has told me a couple times. Um, I am smiling right now. No, scared. Um, um, so, we're gonna be in Philippians today, uh, Philippians four to start out, but. You guys ever been like, man, I am just really, really enjoying this part of my life or this area of my life. And you're like, I'm just so content in this. It's just like, there's just like this. I'm like, I'm at peace with this. I enjoy this. And you're just like, it's good. It can stay this way. You guys ever been there? Yes. Okay. So Philippians 4 and uh, Lael, can you hand me my Bible? I'm sorry. It's right underneath you. I should probably use this if I'm going to try to read. So Philippians 4, if you guys turn there for me. I actually got to get there too. All right, Philippians four eleven. This is Paul. He's talking to me and I'm going to start in verse 10. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the length that you have re- revived your concern for me you were indeed concerned for me but you had no opportunity now that i am speaking of being in need i have learned in whatever situation i am in to be content that's a lot right there and i think sometimes um, as christians we've been taught to be content in everything that we are we are in but I want to talk to you, there's a difference between being content and being satisfied. And, and it's weird because when you go and eat a meal, you go to a really nice restaurant, and you're like, that was a great meal, and I'm really content with that. You don't say that, do you? No, you don't say, well, I'm content with that. You eat a hot dog, and you're like, yeah, I'm content with that. <laughs> but you go get a nice steak, or you get a really nice meal, and you're like, that was what? Satisfying. Satisfying. Or... You make a late night uh, gas station run for some sweets, and you're like, now I'm satisfied. Or you get that one snack that you need, and you're like, that was satisfying. What is that? Content means, okay, I, I've, I've, that's good enough for now. That's what Paul's talking about. He goes, I've learned to be content in what, I'm, I, what I have at that moment because I know God has more for me, and I know God is bringing me to greater things. So well, what happens is in Christianity, sometimes we, we say, well, I'm content in that. And what content basically means, and, and without using words, is I'm just going to stay in this season and stay where I'm at because I, I don't have to p- apply faith to it. And I'm not saying being content where God has placed you at that moment isn't good because God has placed you in that moment. He's given you provision that you need for that time, for that season, he gives you wisdom, whatever you need for that. And you're like, yeah, yes, thank you, Lord, that I am here. I'm content with this, but I know there's greater for me. Yeah. And so Paul's saying, I've learned no matter if I'm in, lack or I'm in plenty, whether I am sickness, health, whatever is, whether I am free or I am in prison, I'm learning to be content in that because I know God is going to work in me because when we're content, God has a moment that he says, I want to work in you because I want to bring you from content to satisfied. And what's funny with the English language and um, a non- um, post-Christian world, we take to, take words and we say, well, oh, I, I'll, I'll use this, Layla and I were sitting in the car listening to something, and, the, and this lady's talking, and, and it's this official, you know, she's doing this official speech, and she goes, joy is fleeting, but happiness is a permanent thing. And she looks at me, she, Layla looks, turns around, she, she, we're driving, she just looks at me, she's like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But think about it, the world says, Joy is something that just happens here. Happiness is a permanent thing. But it's contrary to everything that we see here. Because happiness doesn't, doesn't bring us through the trial. Joy brings us through the trial. Happiness is like, I'm happy with this, and now it doesn't work, and now I'm not happy with it. It's like when you buy a car, and you're like, I love this car. It's great, I'm happy with it. And then it breaks down, and you're like, I'm not happy with it. But joy says, I, I have this car. God has provided for this car. And it breaks down. It's like, thank you, Lord, that you will provide for it because I have joy through the trial and the circumstance that I have that you will provide and bring me through it. But what happens is we, in our world, as Christians, we start to f- flip-flop things and say, well, you know what? I'm just going to accept this as this and this as that. And what happens is we start to pick up little things of the world little mindsets, little viewpoints of the world and say, well, you know, I'm just content, and thank you, Lord, that I'm content in everything that I have for me. But sometimes our, being content in it means that we're settling in and saying, well, this, I'm content, so I'm just going to stay here. But how, do, how many times do you guys know that w- and God brings us to uh, an oasis spot in our life, brings us to a spot where it's just functioning and everything looks good that we can't stay there forever? We have to move on and we have to grow and we have to, to, to take to the next step. Because God doesn't say, well, you, once you've reached it, you the oasis spot, you're, you're done. He says we move from glory to glory, from victory to victory. And sometimes after the fight, the oasis is the resting spot. It's the content spot where we say, I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. I needed a vacation. I need this. It, it rejuvenates me. I'm content, but God, I'm not satisfied. And I think in our Christian walk, we need to be unsatisfied with where we're at. We can be content with the situation that we're in, but be unsatisfied and say, you know what, I want more of you, God. I want to grow in my walk with you. I want to go from the next level to the next level instead of saying, I'm going to be content and do this straight line until you come back. God wants us to go like this, up, 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 up. Sometimes we have down moments. We've all been there. We've all had those seasons where it's like, how am I going to get out of this? How did this all happen? And God, I need your grace to, to, to walk me through this area. So we need to be content in the circumstances we're in, but know and be ready for God to move us to the next level and be ready for God to move us into the next level. So when you're content, be unsatisfied in the level that you are with God. Be content in the situation and say, God, I thank you for this. I thank you that what I'm going through or where I'm at right now is a good thing, but God, I'm so ready to go to the next level with you. We have to do that in our life, but also in our relationship with him. So what happens is is we we get, you guys remember the um, first time you met your, your spouse or that significant other, and you're just like, I'm so in love with this person. I can't wait to be with this person. And you're there's this, just this, this moment of just like joy, and you just like can't wait to see that, pers- see that person and spend time with that person, and then you get married. And you're, t- no, I, it's not bad. Get, it's okay. Um, but you get married, and it's like, yes, I love this person. And then you get five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 25, 30 into your, your marriage, and What happens is sometimes you forget the person that you fell in love with. Because what happens is drawers get left open, socks get left on the floor, you forget to feed the dog, you forget to pick up the kid, which please pick up your kids. Um, You forget to do things, and what happens is you become comfortable. You become content with the thing that you have and what God has given to you. You forget your first love you become so content with it, well I've got it, now I don't what do I I don't really have to do a whole lot with it. We're all guilty of that. We we forget things and we think and then we, we have a conversation and it's like, oh my gosh, what what have we been doing? Where where what have we done? We haven't been spending time together. We haven't been having those moments where we get to, to, to be alone and to have conversation. You know when you have little ones, you're like your conversation is Did you pick up the, the toys in the other room and and go chase him? It's all about parenting. And what happens is we forget, we become so ingrained in the the child thing, and then when our kids are gone, we're like, Oh hi, I'm this person and I'm this person. Because we become so focused on our kids that we forget who our spouse is sometimes. Because we become content with it and we forget who they are. And I think it's the same way with God is we become so content with our relationship with God. He says, What did he say in his words? He says, You've forgotten your first love. We become so content with them, like, Hey God, how you doing? We just go to him as a, a, on a need-to need to basis instead of saying waking up every morning and say, I love you. And spending that time with him and, and growing in that relationship with him and going to the next level of our relationship with him, we become content with it. And I'm not saying content is a bad thing, but be unsatisfied in the area you're in with God and say, God, this is a great level with you, but I cannot wait and I'm looking and I'm moving forward to the next level in my relationship with you. See, content is not about quantity or quality, but it means whatever you have, you know it will be enough for that time and season. But there's better to come. Your next level of relationship with God, your next level in wisdom from God, your next level in relationship um, that he is speaking to you, your next um, uh, level of ability to hear from God. You can be content and say, God, I'm just hearing from you and I love it, but I cannot wait for that next level. I'm unsatisfied and I cannot wait for that next level. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 says, don't be obsessed with, obsessed with getting more material things, be relaxed in, with what you have since God assured us he will never let you down, never walk away from you, never leave you or forsake you. And then it goes on to say in 6, it says, so you can have great confidence. I know the Lord is forming, and you will never be afraid of what people can do to me. And I love that, that he, he says, don't be obsessed with the material things. Don't be so focused on those things that you forget about your relationship with God. And I think in life, we get so focused on work and taking care of those things and and paying the bills and taking care of the kids and and taking the cars and, and getting those fixed and driving our kids' places, and we forget about the things that matter in life. We forget that we should be focusing not on the material things and focus on what God has for us. Because I'm guilty of this. We get going and, and during the week and then it's Wednesday and you're like, oh my gosh, it's Wednesday already and I've, I've only prayed once and I read my Bible for like 15 minutes and it's like, oh my gosh, where did the time go? Or you sit down at the dinner table and you eat and then you start doing something and you're like, oh my gosh, it's 11.30 and I gotta go to bed. And, and you forget about those things because we become so focused on what is going on around us instead of focusing on what's going on inside of us. You know, our spiritual health is, is one of the, the main priorities because God is going to give us wisdom on every other area of our, of our, our life, whether it's mental health, physical health. He's going to give us those. When we focus on our spiritual health, God is going to give us revelation on how to be um, better all around. Content is is great. we got to quit focusing on the material things of life and start to focus on the spiritual things of life. We have to have a balance in that. We have, can't say, oh, I've got to do this. I'm just so busy, God. I can't. I'll talk to you on Sunday. Or I'll, 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 I'll spend time with you, you know, when I get a free moment. What I love about our house is... Um, uh, at any random moment, you could have worship music playing. And it could be three different songs from three different rooms, but there's worship music going because we've tried to raise our kids with a lifestyle of worshiping God all day long during the day. So I might be sitting at my computer at the kitchen table, listening to something, and Layla's in the other room listening to something, and then Sarah's in the bedroom, or Lana's in her bedroom listening to something else, and you can kind of walk through the house and just get like a a random playlist of, of worship songs throughout the house, and it's great because it keeps you in the mindset of, God, you are there. God, I don't want to be just content with my relationship with you. You know, content means good enough for now. Satisfied means I'm filled to overflowing. Because I, I don't walk into a, a, a really nice restaurant and go, yeah, I'm really content with that meal. That was the best meal I ever had. I'm content with it. No, you're like, that was satisfied. I'm so satisfied by that. Or when we, we go through and we're working on something and we finish it, and we're like, man, I'm really satisfied with what it, I've gotten out of it. Content means it's, it's enough for now. Satisfied means I'm overflowing. Our walk should be content of where we are with God at that moment, saying, God, I know you're here. You've brought me here. You're teaching me something in this moment. But knowing there is a, a greater level of, of provision for us and say, you know, you, we might be going through trial. And, and Paul talks about that he's content where he is. And when he's writing this, he's going through persecution. He's going through those troubles. But he says, you know what? I don't have everything I need, but I know that I'm going to be content in this moment because God is going to provide. He's going to give me what I need to go through this moment, but he's going to give me what I need to move out of this moment. We can't stay in the same place where we've been for 10 years. If we stay in the same place and we don't mature in our walk with God, it talks about we need the meat of the word and not the milk of the word. Yeah. So if we're constantly for, for 40 years or 50 years or wh- whatever, it, it just in the milk of the word, we don't mature because we've become content. We have to say, you know what? I need the meat of the word and I need to be unsatisfied with the milk of the word and I need to, I need to r- do a little bit more than just read the devotional book and I need to dive into this and find out what he says. When you start to dive into this book, you will find more and more that will bring, make you unsatisfied with your walk with him. What happens is we, we tend to, to, to go over the highlight section of the Bible, and we want to read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and, and it makes us feel good. But we need to read the other scripture that comes into the play to make us unsatisfied with our walk. Because you can read, you can read Philippians, and, and you can read... You know, Corinthians talk about love all the time and it's great. We can talk about love all day long and, but it's not going to make us grow if we continue to only focus on one thing. We become content and well, I'm just learning to love. Yes, please learn to love. But at the same time, we need to, to get past the highlight section of the Bible, dive into the word and find the meat of the word to make us, uh, to allow us to grow because you guys ever done this? You start reading the Bible, And what's funny about the Bible is when you start to read it, you become even more hungry for it. So that means you're unsatisfied. You're like, I want more. You start to open it up, and you're like, man, this is good. I'm I'm understanding who God is. He's showing me who I am. I'm seeing what he wants for my life. And you're like, you know what? I really want more. You guys ever had something like, the? you know, you, you go to these restaurants, you get these little tiny desserts, and they're barely enough to fit on a spoon. And they cost you like $12. And you're like, <laughs> like, how does that equal $12? did like, you sprinkle gold on it? Or I don't know. But you eat it and you're like, oh my gosh. That was amazing. You're like, I want sw- 12 more. <laughs> but by the time you're done, you're $150 in and 1,200 calories. And you're like, oh, I don't know about that. So, But you, there's, there's a, something about eating from the word of God, and you're like, man, this is so good, but it's not enough. I'm not, I'm not satisfied with it. I want more, and I want more, and what it does is it takes us and says, you know what? We become so unsatisfied with the place that we are in our relationship with God that we were like, I need more, and we eat more of the word. We dive into it, read more, and we read more, and what happens is then we start to become more, more comes into us, we start to become filled. But what happens is, we, in our Christian life, we become filled and it becomes overflowing. We give out of what is, is being put into us. So if we're not using this, there's nothing that is being put into us. If we're not understanding what God says, if we don't read what he is saying about us, we're not getting anything put into us. So how do we overflow? So we're always just kind of content. There's been times in my life where it's like, I remember as a, as a younger person, just like, yeah, I'll read it. And not spending time in it, and I became content with my relationship with him. But when we open this, we become unsatisfied with our relationship the way it is. Because we know there's more to him, we know there's more to us, and there's more to the relationship. So our walk should be content with where we are right now, but unsatisfied saying, you know what, I need more. Our life should be content in where we're at, but say, you know God, I really want more of you. I really want to know more. I want a greater level of relationship with you. You know, I was thinking about it. We look at the Bible. We look at wealth and we look at poverty. And poverty thinks, I want what I can get for this moment. But kingdom thinking says, I, w- I want to be satisfied till I'm completely filled. So the poverty thinks, well, I just want to get as much as I possibly can for this moment, and I'll take it and I'll hold on to it, and it'll be good, and then I, and I'll, I'll, I'll be content with that. But the kingdom mindset says, I'm not satisfied with my relationship of what it is with God right now, where I'm at in my walk with him, where I'm at in my life, where I'm at with my my expression, my external expression of the gospel to people where it's at right now. We have to have an externalization of what's inside of us. As Christians, we're called to. It's called making disciples of men, of all nations. And so we have to externalize what is inside of us. What happens is, is we become content, and we're just like, well, I'm going to hold on to it. It's my little treasure, and no one can have it. And then you end up looking like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. But it's true. What happens is people, they grab hold of what they they have. And they, they, well, you're part of my group. And you're part of my group. And you're all part of my group. And we're content with the way it is. And we're content with what we know. And anything coming in is foreign to us. And we can't have that. So, we can all come together on a weekly basis and say, you know, we're just content with this. We're going to stay together as a group. We're going to hunker down and we're going to wait till Jesus comes back. We can become content in our walk with God, in our relationships, in, our, in the people we have at church. But when we become content with that, we stop looking for people who need Jesus. We stop looking for people who need a Savior and need redemption and need to be set free. So we have to think with a kingdom mind and say, you know what? I don't have enough to be filled completely. Not, oh, I got what I need, and I'm just going to hold on to it. Kingdom thinking is, is, I want more so I can give more. Psalm 91 verse 16. I'm reading uh, the Passion Translation on this one. And this is uh, David. It says, you will be satisfied with full life. and With all that I do for you, you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. And I look at that, and what does he say? You'll be satisfied with full life and fullness of salvation. A glass there's a, a line a long time ago I heard it says, A glass can only spill what it contains. And do we want, you know, this is you know the gla- glass half empty, the glass half full. I'm just like, it's if it's half empty or half full, it's still not enough. I want a glass that is so full that if it t- knocks over, it saturates everything. And David says, I'm satisfied with a full life and satisfied with fullness of salvation. You guys ever had, you're just like exhausted or you've been outside and you just go inside and you get a glass of water and you're just like, this was the best thing that I ever did. Or you get a drink out of of the outside hose and you're like, oh, I'm not thirsty anymore. I'm just, I'm doing great. I feel good. I'm not like... Extremely parched. I'm not like dehydrated. You just take a drink and you're just like, yes, that's what I need. I need this glass of water and you drink it. You don't, when you're dehydrated, when you're extremely thirsty, you don't just t- go to your, go get a glass of water and do about this much in the bottom and just drink it and go like, yeah, that'll be enough till tomorrow. When you When you've been doing things and you've been going out, and you've been working, and you've been living life, you don't go to God and just say, I just need a little bit in the bottom. I just need a little bit in the bottom. It'll, I'll be content with just a little bit in the bottom. No, you, you go to God and say, I need a full. I need fullness. I need a cup of whatever you have I need in my life. I need fullness of it. But what happens is we become content. just like, I'll drink, I'll drink a little bit at the bottom, and I'll be good for now. Just a sip. Just just a little bit in the bottom. But David's talking about having fullness, overflowing. He says, my cup runneth over. And and so if we become content in who we are and our relationship with God, and we become content with the things that we have, and say, you know what, this is is as good as it's going to get. This is all I ever want. is it really what God has called us to do? Is it is it really what God calls us to do to to say, you know what? This is what I this is what I have. This is all I, this is what I need and I'm going to stay here because if I move from this spot it might be a little scary. And sometimes that oasis area is so nice that we don't want to leave it. So we're like grabbing as much as we can to take with us, you know. And so, but what we don't realize is like the children of Israel didn't realize this they had a, a moment of an oasis but what they didn't realize is there was a land a promised land and that promised land had everything they were going to need and I talked about this I think a couple weeks ago I said God doesn't just bring you into the promised land I was like here's one thing of grapes good luck between the, the, the million people that are coming into the promised land there you go ha- fight over that God said I'm going to give you fullness when you come into the promised land See what was happening is they were becoming content out in the desert. They were becoming saying, "Oh well, we should just go back to Egypt. It wasn't that bad there." Like I felt, I can just see Moses like wrapping them on the head with the stick, going, "Are you dumb?" Because they were content being out in the desert. They were content to go back to Egypt, where they were enslaved, instead of going into the promised land. So they wandered around a mountain for forty years. I don't want to do that first of all it's the same thing for way too long for my attention span and it's not what God had for them he had the promised land for them but they were content with what they had saying well it's good enough you know, they, they actually wanted to revolt and go back to Egypt because they thought, well, this isn't what I expected it to be. And sometimes what we expect it to be isn't always what it is. We're like, well, God, you disappointed me on this. And God's like, well, you didn't listen to what I had for you. And you were just like, well, it wasn't what I wanted to be, so I want to go back to the area where I was. And so we're, as humans, we don't like change a lot of times. Anybody in that boat sometimes? Yeah. So we, we like the way it was. And what it's going to be is sometimes scary. Sometimes being thrown out of our comfort zone allows us to look at God and say, okay, I was way too content at that moment. I was way too comfortable at that moment. And now I need to move on to what you have for me. You know, satisfaction only comes from fulfillment of God. We can look at the things of this world. We can look at money. We can look at having all that stuff, but it really doesn't do anything for us. It always makes us desire more. It doesn't leave us filled. It doesn't satisfy. It always says, well, I just want a little bit more of that, and I just don't have enough of that. I don't have enough of this. I need more of that because there's no fulfillment in it. But God says, or Paul says, he says, be content where you are, but always be moving from glory to glory. We need to move from place to place, from next level to next level with God, instead of saying, well, God, here you are. Sarah talked about last week, uh, putting God in a box or taking God out of the box. What happens is when we become content, we take God and we put him in this little square here, this one, you know, one foot square and say, this is where I'm going to stay Because it's easy here. I know God. This is how God moves here. This is what he does here. And when I move out of this square, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know where it's going to go. So I either have to move this way, that way, that way, or this way. So if I move back here, I don't know what's going to go on here. This could be really scary. It may not be comfortable. It may just be a complete upheaval of what I've known in my life, job, family, finances, work, whatever it is, it may be a complete difference from what God has done here. Because here, this is safe. I know what God does here. But this is being content. Being here is like, I want to be satisfied because I know this spot here and that spot here and that spot here have the next level Don't stay in this, like Sarah said, don't stay in this box. Don't put him in the box of what you know he can do. Move into his world where he blows your mind of what he can do or what he does do in your life. Because satisfaction will only come, you'll only be satisfied with him. You'll only be satisfied when God is fulfilling your needs and fulfilling what you have in your life. What I love about uh, Jesus is this, is he never left people half empty. He never left people, well, how was that? he eh, was okay. He never healed the guy and said, how do you, f-? and he goes up to the blind man, he put mud in his eyes. He's like, how's your eyes? Mm, 30% better. No, Jesus. Jesus did fulfillment. He, didn't, he, he satisfied the need that they had in their life. He didn't leave them content. He left them running and praising God and, show, and going to the temple and saying, look what God has done for me. Look what he has done in my life. But what I love the most is, if you guys turn to John 4, turn it the right way. And this is a pretty familiar scripture. And we're going to dive into this just a little bit. John 4. That's five. Let's get to four. There we go. So, Jesus and the woman of Samaria. So, Jesus is traveling. His disciples, they stop at this well. They're hungry. Stomach's rumbling. You're getting about the same right now. They're like, we need lunch. You've been teaching all morning. We're hungry. We need to. Uh, we need to get some food. So his disciples go into town. It says they left. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and then they had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of S- Samaria called S- Char. I hope I pronounced that right. And in a field that Jacob had given to his sons, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus. Wearied from his journey, was sitting beside the well in about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples went into town to buy food. Samaritan woman said, how is this you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who that it is saying it to you give me a drink you would ask him you excuse me you you would have asked him and he would have given you living water the woman said to him sir you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep where do you get this living water are you greater than your father jacob he gave us all us the well to drink, drink from himself and did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said, "Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that will be given to them will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life." And the woman said, "Sir, give me a drink of this water." It's pretty bold. It says, "Give me a drink of this water so that I will never be thirsty or have to come to draw water. And what I love about this scripture is Jesus says, if anyone drinks this living water, I give them. They will never be thirsty again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink of this water, I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain from the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. So what's really cool about this is this woman kept coming back to the well because they had to draw water. They would come to, the, come to the well every day, pick up water in the morning, probably come back later in the afternoon, pick up water and, and for the rest of the day. And what Jesus is, and she's like, well, how are you going to get water? He's like, if you knew who I was, you would ask me how you can get living water. But he says, "If anyone drinks this water, they'll never thirst again." Well, she didn't realize that that when she was coming down to the well, she was content, and then she saw Jesus, and he said something to her, and she became unsatisfied with the situation that she was in, because as you read on, she's like, he's like, "Go get your husband." she's like. He's like, yeah, I know. She says, "You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have he says for you have had five husbands, and the one you now know is not your husband. What you have said is true." The woman said to him, "Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say it is in Jerusalem. Is this the place to go out and worship?" And he says. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But in the hour that is coming, and it is, and it is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. What I love about it is she was standing in this box of what she knew about God. And she comes down to the well and Jesus says, oh, by the way, give me a drink. She goes on and he's like, but if you knew who I was, you would ask me to give you living water. And she's like, sir, I want living water. And he opens up her world. And she started, the blinders come off, and she realized how unsatisfied she was with the status quo of this is the way it is. She, saw, she went from a, a poverty spirit to oh, her eyes opening up and seeing the kingdom of God through what Jesus was saying. She's like, I, I just don't want this life anymore. I don't want it the way it was. I want what you have to give. So what she did is she says, hey, I want some of that. what I find hilarious is Jesus took what was the normal of the day and said, you know what, out with that. He's in Samaria. He's talking to a woman. First of all, two things you shouldn't do. And he says, you know what, I'm going to take you out of what you've known and bring you into what I'm going to do. Even as his disciples were like, oh my gosh, he's talking. They didn't know any better because what he was doing, he was was taking them out of their contentment and bringing them into unsatisfied with their relationship with him and knowing God uh, for who he is and said, you know what, we love him, but step out into the kingdom. Jesus was releasing the kingdom in everything he did so they would be unsatisfied with the religion that they had known and be open to what the kingdom of God was doing in, in the world at that moment when Jesus was doing. So Jesus says, if you drink from this water, you'll be satisfied. You'll be fulfilled. You'll be filled to overflowing. So why do we stay content instead of filled? Why do we stay content instead of unsatisfied? Being content in the situation that we're in at that moment, that's great, but we cannot stay there. Being content, if we stay permanently content, we stay in a box of what we want and what we are able to control. But when we become unsatisfied, we open ourselves up to, this is kind of scary sometimes, God, but I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you. Content doesn't take faith. Unsatisfied takes faith. It takes a lot of faith to step out of what you've been doing for so long and say, you know what, God, I'm just going to take a bold step because I realize that there's more to what you have for me than what I've been experiencing. How many of you guys have ever been there? You're, like, you're just like, this, there's something more to God and there's something more to that. I had that, it was 2008, and I was like, there is something more to God that I'm not experiencing and I need it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna find it, I'm gonna search it out, I'm gonna get whatever I can find until I am filled with that. And I was just like, and I heard one message by this one man and I was like, this is what God is like. This is what his Body looks like. This is what his kingdom looks like. And I became unsatisfied with what I had. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be uncontent and unsatisfied and I'm going to keep going and going until I find what I'm looking for. So when we, we, we become unsatisfied with what we have in God, we start to look for more. We start to search them out. That's why he says, I leave things in my word for you to find. I'm not going to give you everything out on a silver platter and say, hey, here's every revelation you need. He says, I hide it for you so you can have a treasure hunt to go find it. Because when you start to open it up, he starts to reveal his nature to you. He starts to reveal his will for your life to you. And what I love in Matthew is he says, or Matthew's writing, he says, when Jesus fed the 5,000, he says, all were satisfied. He, he had enough. It wasn't, well, this is just okay. There wasn't like a few people that only got a little bit. There was more than enough left over. All were satisfied. The disciples picked up tall baskets of broken pieces that were left over. So when God does something, he's not going to leave you with eh, three quarters of a tank. He leaves you you filled up. you guys ever filled up your gas tank, not realized it so much that it came out of the gas tank? Yeah. Sarah's car's that that way sometimes. She, it, yeah, it's that way. It's got an overfill on it. So when you fill it up too much, when it clicks, you got to leave it. Because if you do that little, I'm going to top it off to the next dollar, it all comes down by the wheel well. It's, it's built that way so it doesn't have gas spilling out while you're driving down the road. And so I took this nice can of seafoam. And I, was, I opened the can of sea foam, and I totally forgot that there's this, this uh, uh, um, spot on her car. And I'm like, I'll here. I'm like, ah oh, man, it's all runny. It's all flowing down. You have to take a funnel and fill it up. But what happens is, is God wants you to be like that. He wants you to be, that he's pouring so much into you that it's just pouring out of you, that you're so, you're so filled that you're, it's pouring out of you that it's spreading everywhere. So he says, be satisfied. Unsatisfied where you are, and when I fill you, you'll become satisfied. Let's pray.